Hi everyone. Before we begin, I wanted to let everyone know that the podcast will be on a short break after this episode, returning March 5th for two reasons. The first is there will be two wrap-up episodes that I'll need some time to write. The second is I'm getting my wisdom teeth removed soon and will need time to recover. With that out of the way, let's get into today's episode. This is episode 8 of English VoiceOver in Asia. I am your host, Yui Haruhara, and today's guest was... not originally scheduled. That's right, this is our first guest that reached out to me, and not for the reason you're expecting. After conducting my interview with Sean Pleven and sharing my findings on Twitter, I received a strange DM from a Twitter account made the same day. He claimed to be a man Sean and I talked about during our discussion of Cyborg Kurochan. Colin Shevloff, the voice director of said anime dub. That seemed really suspicious. This guy, who had an account that was just made, following making a post about a massive discovery for this niche topic, just happened to reach out to chat. I asked for verification, and sure enough, Colin sent me his LinkedIn. He even went as far as to give me his phone number to get in touch with Sean. I sent it over to Sean, and not long after, learned they were on the phone for a while catching up. That confirmed beyond the shadow of a doubt, he's the real deal. So how did this all happen? How did he find a tweet by little old me about an obscure anime in the West with an even more obscure dub made in Hong Kong? It just randomly came to mind for him. He decided to look on Google the day after I posted the tweet, and he found me, made a Twitter account, and contacted me. Just a wild coincidence. A good portion of today's interview is already on YouTube, but only the cyborg Kurochan info. Today's episode will cover his backstory and career, which isn't on YouTube. If you'd like to hear the section about cyborg Kurochan, you can watch it on my YouTube channel, youtube.com/at-yuiharuhara. Unfortunately, Colin only had an hour to talk, so this episode will be rather brief, but is still insightful. Without further delay, here's my interview with Colin Shevloff. All right, so go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Colin. I'm uh, I was as far as Cyborg Kurochan goes, uh, I was the writer and the director and the voice of Doctor Go. Probably some other little voices in there as yeah. well, but I just remember Doctor Go. Yeah, very very big character in that. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean they were they were all such good characters. It, yeah. It's probably and 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 I think the reason that I was so excited when I saw that tweet uh, about Kurochan was it had been the most fun that we had had uh, in the studio for a, a really long time. And it was such a- It sounded it. Series. And it was really close for me as well because it, it had kind of marked a point where we'd done some things differently uh, and we had really enjoyed doing them, uh, all of us, but in particular me. Yeah, it, it, it sounded like y'all had a blast. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was always fun in the studio. I mean, the I, I don't know. Do you know very much about how voicing is done or dubbing is yes. done? Okay, so you know you can be split into single tracks where you can have everybody in the studio together. If you're voicing right now, I'm, I'm I work as a producer, and so for the for the series that I that I work on, we have actors come in, and usually, particularly in COVID, you're you're they're by themselves in the studio doing their lines. For some series, you can have an ensemble cast in a room, and that's really quite a lot of fun. For dubbing, you've got kind of a small desk with pages across it, 
uh, and everybody kind of knows their lines. The script is marked up in a particular way. So everybody kind of knows their cues and how, and how to kind of move forward across their lines. And everybody is sort of huddled in together. Um, and in particular, some of the studios in Hong Kong were pretty tight quarters. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it was a lot of fun when, when you had a really good team of people together, it could be, it could be a real blast. That's awesome. Where are you originally from? Actually, uh, from Canada, I was born in, in uh, Vancouver and grew up on Vancouver Island, uh, just mm. outside of Victoria. And where do you live now? I actually live now just outside of Vancouver. Um, oh. So yeah, it's uh, up on, it's called the Sunshine Coast and it's, it's uh, yeah, just outside of Vancouver, basically up on, up on the coast. Um, but I had, um, I left Victoria uh when i was maybe 17 and i only came back four years ago oh, wow. so it's kind of nice being it's nice being back um but it feels odd to say i grew up here and i live here because actually there's there's a huge chunk of like <laughs> what's around me that doesn't feel very familiar uh oddly yeah uh why did you move to hong kong uh, originally um i was my parents had moved there when i uh, when I finished high school, my parents moved away to Hong Kong. Okay. And I stayed and started university and ended up traveling and yada, yada. Um, and then at some point, I think I was in London. I was pretty broke. I was sort of wondering what I should be doing with myself and maybe I'll go back to school. Maybe I'll do this. Uh, and I thought, I'll just go, I'll go visit my parents. I hadn't gone to see them. So I went to Hong Kong just to visit them. And, and in fact, that's when I met Darren. In fact, I think they had met him beforehand because uh, the restaurant that he was working in was sort of in a town in the outskirts of Hong Kong and sort of the country park sort of area where um, where he was working and where they were living. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then it was, it was literally, it was, you know, I, I had been an actor, you know, an amateur actor and, and kind of a goofball really <laughs> um, for most of my, you know, through school essentially. <laughs> uh, and he yeah when i when i spoke to him it was really just to sort of meet someone to kind of have a beer with who was about the same age kind of thing yeah um and who was you know sort of familiar i suppose and uh yeah he was he said you know they're here's the stuff that he's doing on the side and they're looking for people and you know if you've got experience acting you should come and try it and i thought oh, okay we'll go do that <laughs> that's awesome yeah darren had a similar story on how he got in so that's really cool yeah yeah, and well, and, and Rick and Ina, who were the who owned Omni Productions, lived out near that area as well. And I can't remember if Darren met them actually at that restaurant or somewhere else, but it was it was somewhere similar. Or he'd met, maybe he met Henry. Anyway, I can't, I can't remember how Darren uh, got started, but yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be all that different. Yeah. So you didn't just do voice acting; you did the script writing, correct? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Originally I started just as, I mean, when they brought you in, you did audition and then it was, it was really quite formalized early on there, there, when I started there, there wasn't a whole ton of work. There was, it was mostly movies um, that had been produced in Hong Kong or Thailand or, or not so much China sometimes, but Japan. Um, and they would do, you know, a movie would take quite a while to do. And as someone new coming in, you'd, you'd be like what was called man A or man B, mm -hmm. or waiter, you know, you'd, you'd just kind of wait around the studio, you'd watch these guys that had been doing this for, for years, and um, then you'd be waiting for your waiter to come by and, you know, say, you know, here's your tea, sir, sort of thing, and 
and he, he would just do it like that. Um, and eventually, uh, I got more and more voices and then, uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to write. Um, and it was really because around that time, this, I guess is like 1995, maybe, um, there were a number of cable television networks that were opening up around Asia and suddenly they wanted, they needed a lot of content. And they needed it in English as one of the tracks. They were also doing it in, you know, Bahasa or, or whatever, depending on what they were doing it. Um, and I guess it was a, like it was more cost effective for them to dub the voices than to buy a version that may have previously been done in North America or in Europe or somewhere else. So there was suddenly this just massive volume of work that had to get done and things at that point changed really quickly and we had to sort of reorganize ourselves to figure out how to how to do all the work and so the team grew massively opportunities for script writing came up uh, as part of that and, and, and wow. the rest as well wow yeah that's what i kind of gathered as far as like dubs that were already done in north america like you have your inuyasha and yu yu Hakusho. Mm. it's just cheaper to redo it than to license it because yeah. i mean with yu yu Hakusho, they just straight up took the american script and yeah. did did a did a new dub yeah well i mean and that becomes the i was also thinking about it we're trying to think about it this morning and, and the other day uh there are there were so many mm -hmm. there are so many projects and and that it kind of went through stages. So like the early stage where things really kind of started to blow up, it wasn't just cartoons we had. And this is before Victor was was in Hong Kong or and this is sort of an earlier version of Omni, really. And it was at a studio called, I think it's called Media House. It eventually was bought out by SDI and became part of SDI, which is yep. a, um, and it was like Japanese game shows. It was like hockey games that had to be called in English that had huh. been uh, done overseas. It was uh, and really just bizarre, really bizarre, but quite fun Japanese game shows. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of live action series, a lot of Japanese live action series, and they would it'd be everything from like Shinkansen, which is it was a, you're kind of it was about life on the train. It was like Love Boat but on the train, hotel, <laughs> which is like Love Boat but in a hotel. It was that kind of uh era of storytelling in japan where it was it was all kind of fairly soft drama and, and sort of romantic um and then more on the kids side it was like uh kuga kuga um was like a, a kind of a it's pretty bad comparison but sort of a power ranger-esque sort of character uh had cool you know a cool motorbike and you mm. know would grab his belt and change into kind of his his uh his fighting form ah. rubbery monsters all that kind of stuff um and then there was a lot of cartoons as well but it really was like every every day would be a really mixed mixed bag of the type of stuff you're doing japanese samurai drama with all like huh. super kind of like macho and really really cool uh really stylized to just you know doraemon and, and all sorts of really fun stuff oh did you work on doraemon yeah yeah um do tell yeah, we did doraemon for a while um yeah that was in that period i guess Okay, because that's kind of what I'm known for, for better or worse, is okay. early on in my YouTubing career, I did a video about Doraemon because it's huge, huge, huge in Asia, but mm. it didn't come here until 2014. Um, oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was a dub made in California, Yeah. Okay. and it just ne never really went anywhere. They did two seasons, and 
that was it. But there's so many other versions. There was a dub in Singapore. There was, gosh, there was a dub in Canada all the way back in like 1986. There's like all all this stuff. So, do you remember what you exactly worked on as far as Doraemon and what you what you did? Because this is news to me. Directing. Um, I remember Gemma was Gemma, Gemma Doraemon. I don't know. It's it, honestly at that time we had three studios running, three or four studios running at once. So we had teams in every studio, um, and we would sort of sort out the day based on myself and Ina would direct. Um, sometimes Darren would direct, um, and for some of it, it was kind of you just like self-directed. Like there was a fellow by the name of Kent who was Canadian. He grew up in, in the East and, and was a huge hockey fan. <laughs> and so for the hockey games, there wasn't a script. He just let him, call, he'd just call a game. He'd, he'd watch it. He'd get to know the players. And then he would just sit there and call a game like the announcer on playback. And so you could leave Kent in the studio with a hockey game and he would, he would do that. And that was, that, was, awesome. that was great. Um, so yeah, so you had, but you had a lot of different studios going on, a lot of different projects at once. And you'd be jumping back and forth because you'd be characters in something i might be directing something and also a character in that and also a character in something that was happening in the other studio and so it was this kind of it was really it was a total circus in terms of like <laughs> getting stuff done but it was super fun that honestly it sounds like it's like frustrating from the standpoint of the time crunch but yeah. also a lot of fun because you get to do all this crazy stuff oh yeah yeah and we had pages being faxed in <laughs> like you know you'd, you'd sometimes you'd stop and you'd just be waiting and the writers would be you know, at their homes, kind of madly trying to sort out and lip sync pages, and they would be faxing them through. And like, you'd get like another five pages and or ten pages, and then the whole team would go into the studio. And you had there were a lot of people back then. Wow, and um, they were just this group of people in this huge sort of like living room type area, just kind of hanging out, entertaining each other. And they're all really funny. They're all good actors. A lot of them were were just funny people generally. Um, yeah, and so it, it was it was madness, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that's what everyone from Hong Kong has said. You know, it's like crazy, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, with Doraemon, you said someone named Gemma? Yeah, Gemma. What's, yeah. what's the last name? What was Gemma's last name? Gemma was from Scotland. Scotland. Oh, that's life. half the fun of doing this podcast is like it's not just people that yeah. lived in asia or like people that were born in asia it's people from all over the place yeah 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 i don't know what became of Gemma. actually i feel like she went back to the uk at some point but i really lost track of her she stopped working with it like there were people that were with the company and then you know weren't with the company in later phases and so Gemma was there for that period and guess what do you do in your free time oh family you know I get that one a lot. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of time is spent with that, you know, the soccer games and the rest of it. And um, I recently bought a sailboat, so that takes up some of my time. Yeah. I remember you um, mentioning that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of foraging out here. So right now, like chanterelles are out. So, you know, I've got a dog and do some forest walks. There's mm -hmm. a white bear. Look, look for mushrooms that are edible. Wow. That sounds exciting. 
So as for questions, I mean, it sounds like you have an excellent memory, which is awesome. <laughs> so I was yeah, going to say, I, mean, I don't know how much I have for the particular series, but for some of it, I do for sure. Yeah, I totally get it. If you don't remember certain things, because uh, I know it was, you know, two decades ago, just about. So, yeah. you know, I know I think some people I talk to them and they expect me to expect them to remember everything. And I'm just like, no, it's like ever ago. Like, I, I don't know. Do you know Candace Moore? Yeah, I yeah. I talked to her time to time. She's still in Hong Kong. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I feel bad. I bug her so much, but yeah, it's just like, do you, you know? Do you remember working on this? She's like, um, I remember I was in it. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I remember when did we audition, Candice? I'm trying to remember what period. I think she came in in kind of the, the. She came in in the second period, so it was past all that sort of initial, um, setup of the cable stations and then i went away i left hong kong and i went back to university i was gone for maybe four or five years in australia oh. and then when i came back um i'd studied management information systems and systems analysis and design and thought i should probably go and work in sort of a serious industry and be a grown-up sort of thing <laughs> um and so i went and got my degree and, and it was really enjoyable um and then I, I got back and I was filling in applications. I think I had an, an offer for something in, in uh, at IBM in, in uh, South South Ireland. <laughs> and but I kept getting like halfway through their their questionnaire, and then sort of putting the the pen down kind of thing. And I realized at that point, like I didn't really want to do this. I'd actually had a lot of fun doing all the dubbing and all the, everything that we had gone before. And so I just put it down and um, returned back to doing that. And, and at that point. I had been sort of in it a little bit over the four years because I, I do some work uh, overseas where I could, mostly script writing, only script writing, really, hmm. um, but not very much. Uh, and then when I would come back to Hong Kong at times to visit my parents, I'd usually go in the studio and there'd be a movie or something to work on. I think that's when we did some of the Godzilla movies. Yeah, and then there was this sort of second sort of growth at that point. So SDI was really growing then. Um, I, you know, I don't think I, you know, was around then it was another studio called media land, but there was, it was, it was really much more formalized in terms of the work and a lot more work came out of the studios themselves, as opposed to directly via Omni. Um, and it was, I guess that was also around where DVDs were becoming a thing or, or widely adopted, I guess. And a lot of material was being remastered because the audio tracks weren't great. They needed a slightly different. I don't think they did a different format, but it made sense. And and I guess it was the way they were carving out the licenses. So we had a, I think we had a deal with, it was like Vanguard or something like that. It was a UK uh, distributor and they were redoing like all the Jackie Chan movies and, and that kind of stuff. That's really um, cool. And yeah. And so we got to go back and redo that. But that was, I think that's when Candace was there, was in that sort of second tranche of stuff. And there was a lot of Disney and Nickelodeon and, a couple of the channels around Asia that, that were really an Animax. That's when Animax was. That's right. That was the Animax period. So that's really, it was really heavy on cartoons then because Animax was setting up and they needed a lot of content. And so, yeah, that's that sort of second period for Omni that was really quite wow. busy. Yeah, that is amazing. Now to sidetrack a little bit, you mentioned Medilon. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, so I mentioned what? Uh, Medilon. Mediland. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. The studio. Yeah, because from what I understand, in more recent times, they would commission dubs from other studios like Red Angel Media and 
SDI Media, and they would give the product to Animax to air on TV. Yeah, that's right. So okay, that's what I thought. Right. So really, this this was all. I guess Animax was that was the main studio that SDI and MediaLand were supplying material for, and Torrance was his name. Who owned um, or Torrent Torrance Torrance, um, who owned MediaLand. Really nice guy. There's yeah. so much unknown territory as far as documenting Hong Kong English dubs. Mm. I know there's a little bit of confusion. That's part of my goal as far as making content is clearing up the confusion and giving a very clear picture as to what happens back then and how things worked. And I think yeah. I have a pretty clear picture now that now that I know Medilon did receive the material from other studios and gave those materials to Animax. Uh, Medialon doesn't exist anymore. As far as oh, I know, they fo- as far as I'm aware from what I did my research, as far as I know, yeah. they, they folded. Okay. But SDI is still around. They're still doing stuff. Yeah. Red, Red Angel Media is still doing stuff. Russell's, yeah. Russell Waite works there. No, this has already been very, very interesting and very insightful. Yeah. Uh, how much time do you have? Because you changed the time period to an hour. I've, I've locked no, I up two. I, I figure I've, I've really got another half an hour, and then, then I might have to. Have yeah. To if we if we have to do a part two, that's fine. I'm pretty open, but I I know I usually block off two hours, and the reason for that is I I don't really take the two hours. I just block it off just in case we need it. But that's totally yeah. fine if you if you're on a time crunch. I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into the fan questions. Oh, before that, two more two more questions from me. Mm. Did you work on Anpanman? Little bread superhero. This is the bread thing, right? Yeah. Wow, yeah, but I can't, what did we do on that? I can't remember. Like, sometimes you watch things and sometimes you work on things. And so, right. because it was so long ago, but I yeah. I seem to remember Anpan Man in SDI. Yeah. Early, early on. And that was in that first set, I think, in like the kind of mid 90s. I think it was that studio. Because we oh. didn't, I don't think we went back to that studio. Oh, we did go back to that studio. Yes, no, they, they just, they kind of renovated the inside. When was that? Yeah, I think we did actually. I think we worked on on that, and I can't remember what I did on it. Okay, because there was a dub in two thousand nine that had Candace as Anpanman himself, and oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that's way after that, but yeah. that's really interesting because there is a dub very early on that we know nothing about, and that might be it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it might maybe, be worth. Yeah circling back on researching but um last question for me is did you work on it's called lamu the invader girl was that you i don't think so it doesn't ring a yeah bell. urusei yatsura is the japanese name what was it uh urusei yatsura it's a uh, lamu the invader girl was what it was called on uh animax it was 2004 i want to say okay i could ask so my wife i met my wife in the studio she's a she was one of the voice actresses oh who, who's your wife uh antonia Antonio oh, I, I I recognize the name. She might know. I could I could ask her. Okay. Um, what was it called again? <laughs> um, yeah. here I'll I'll type it in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I'll I'll type. But you can ask me uh, another question if you want. Yeah. So moving on to the fan questions because we're at the half hour yeah. point. This portion of the interview is the cyborg Kurochan questions. I am skipping ahead to our wrap up questions. Reminder: If you want to check out the cyborg Kurochan stuff, check it out on YouTube. If you had the chance to be on any project at all, what would you choose? Uh, as a voice actor, you mean, or oh, just in, yeah, voice actor, script writer. Oh yeah. Like you mean something going forward, something that's being produced now, or yeah. 
I don't know, actually. Um, trans something where we were basically just throwing away the script and, and writing, um, writing ourselves. And we were I was saying we were working on, it was a comedy uh, from one of these really old uh, films that were, that were done in Asia. That was so much fun. And that kind of led to working on, I worked on like a couple of movies then, and we really wanted to make a B movie. I think I would still really like to just, like I know there's some really good high-end movies and there's great character and, and action and stuff out there that would be fun to, to be a part of. But I, I actually would really like to just go back and make a really fun, goofy B-movie. Um, and I don't know what it would be. I remember we'd written a couple of scripts. We had a bunch of different things that we were we were looking at trying to figure out how to get funded, but it was pretty early on in, in kind of understanding how to produce or anything. And, and most of it didn't go anywhere. And my final thing is anything you want to say to the Cyborg Kuro-chan fan base? No, I mean, I'm just, I'm so happy that there are people out there who who are enjoying it. I mean, it, it really had been certainly the start of, but probably the most fun we had had working on a series. For me, for writing and being in the studio, but I think for the whole team in the studio, it really was, it was quite a good laugh. Um, and so it's nice to know. And, and often these things go off into the ether and you don't really know you know, what they're used for, particularly at that time, you know, we, less so with Animax, but um, early on with some of the cable stations, like I have no idea where any of those projects went. Um, and so I'm really, yeah, it's, it's nice to know there's someone out there who likes it as well, because it was, it was so much fun. So yeah, I'm super happy that that's what, uh, yeah, that you like it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of this info. We will definitely stay in touch. Yeah. She actually responded here. She said, um, she doesn't think she was on the Land of the Invader Girl. She, she remembers um, Sakura, card captor, I guess, Hagamaru, something called Clamp School, um, and then Host Club. Was she That's in? Was she in Doraemon at all? No, uh, I don't think we had. I feel like there was like two stabs at Doraemon. I feel like that we did some early on, and then we did some later. Yeah, um, we'll yeah. Um, catch back up on uh, another platform, but it's, uh, you got you got to go. Yeah, yeah. All right, sounds good. You enjoy your uh, sailboat. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm going to paint a house first, actually. I'm going to tell the friend I'd help them paint, so that's why awesome. I have to go. Uh, All right. 11. You have a great Saturday. Great yeah, nice meeting you. Yeah, yeah this, this was fun. Yeah. Uh, so what's the... Um, so you're putting together a podcast, is that right? Yeah, and I also run a YouTube channel, and I'm doing a video eventually on Kuro-chan. It's been an unbelievably popular request. Mm. So I'm glad I finally have leads, and I finally have a mountain of info. <laughs> right, okay. Oh, good, yeah, well, good luck, good luck. Thank you. Have a nice right. day. Nice talking to you. Thank you to Colin for taking the time to do this interview, and thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast app to know first when an episode is posted. If you want to hear more info about English dubs, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Yuiharuhara. If you're an actor that has worked in Asia and would like to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to yuiharuhara at gmail.com. If you're a listener and would like to know when I have upcoming guests, please follow me on Twitter at Yuiharuhara or stay tuned to my YouTube community tab. From there, you'll be able to ask guests questions that may be featured in their interview. Also, if you'd like to support me further, consider joining my Patreon, patreon.com slash Yuiharuhara. Until next time, take care.